Well, hey, friends, I want to say welcome to all those here at Westwood Chanhassen, but also want to extend a warm welcome to our friends at Bush Lake at West Tonka, all those watching online. We're continuing on in our series on the book of James, and we have a real treat today. Uh, this is Pastor Mauricio Dell. Mauricio is part of an amazing church community uh, called Destino. And it actually meets at our Bush Lake campus. And so some of you may be familiar with this. As Westwood, we've decided to link arms with this near vision of our here, near, far uh, uh, kind of vision that's unfolding. And there are a couple of churches at Bush Lake, Destino, one called Global Harvest, another one called Perizim. And we all share that space together at Bush Lake, but we share more than space. We yes. share a mission together. Yes. And we just have the privilege of sharing in your voice together, Mauricio. Mauricio and, and his wife, Jacqueline, their two kids. Uh, you do something really special. It's actually a bilingual church. And so the messages happen both in Spanish and in English. You preach in Spanish. Your wife, Jacqueline, translates in English. And that is part of the desire to have an intergenerational community. Uh, you reach many people that are Hispanic or Spanish-speaking. And providing that allows many people to feel at home. I, hopefully you got the memo that you'll need to preach this message in English. Uh, so, because I don't know if anyone can translate, but we are just thrilled that you're a part of this, Pastor Mauricio. So thank you for being here and uh, sharing with us from what God has done in and through your life. And so at, here and across all of our locations, can we give a warm welcome to Pastor Mauricio? Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so honored to be with you today. Say to your neighbor, Buenos dias. Buenos dias. Good morning, everyone. I'm so happy to be here. Happy 4th of July weekend. Um, I, as, um, as you heard, my name is Mauricio. I am originally from Argentina, and I've been in Minnesota from 2003, so it has been 20 winters. <laughs> That's how we count here, right? Nine years, winters. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, here's what I met my wife. She's from a little town south in Albert Lee. Actually, I brought a picture to you so I can introduce my family. That's my wife, Jacqueline, and my two daughters, Ariana and Rebecca. I made a promise to my ladies that I will treat them like queens. So there you have it. We are a dairy queen <laughs> sharing a snow cone. Uh, it, it, it looks like a, a really good treat for today, right? I, I know, I, I, I'm just putting ideas in your head, what to do next. Wonderful. Well, uh, as you know, we are in the middle of a series of, in James, and we are going to focus on James chapter 2. But in order to enter into God's Word, I want to start with a personal story. A few years back, when uh, my daughters were way younger, and we heard about a family show that was coming to town in a good venue, thousands of people, and we were so looking forward to somehow make it to the, to the place. And randomly, uh, uh, another friend called us the same week that we were considering to get tickets. Um, we got a call from a, a, a friend, and, and she said, you know what? I got four tickets to the show for you. Wow, that's amazing. We were so happy. We didn't know what kind of tickets. You know, sometimes when you get free tickets, they're by the door, you know. <laughs> so it, we didn't care. We are going there. Yeah, so the day came, we went to the venue. We went to the uh, box office window. And actually, we didn't get 
tickets, real tickets. It was more like a document, so we were a little like, is this for real? I don't know, but it was a document, and we exchanged it, and in return, we got the real tickets with the, 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 the row number and the seat number. What a surprise. It was almost front row seating. You know when you're looking for a, a place and you see the map, you know those seating that you wish you could get but you cannot afford it? Those type of seating, we were so happy. It was, we were looking to be there, but now we are going to have a, a super good experience very close to the actors in the show. And we, when we went there, another surprise that our friends were already there. And waiting for us with the seating, I prepared and, and, and just waiting and say, hey, here, here, we're so glad you came, you made it here. So it was fabulous. You know those times that you go to a place expecting this and you end up getting this? You know what I mean? You know, you're expecting good and then you have something greater. So do you remember a time like that? Yeah, that's amazing. How good it feels when you're going for this and you're getting this. Unfortunately in life, so many times, we got the opposite. <laughs> we go to a place expecting this, and we don't get that. I told you those reviews were fake. <laughs> but it looks so good on internet. What happened? Sometimes that tension between what we are expecting and what we are getting, sometimes that happens even at church. So we have work to do here. But let me tell you, this message will end with good news. We have good news here. We have work to do, but we have a promise. And we're going to get into that. So please follow me. We're going to open the Bible. In James chapter 2, we're going to start reading from verse 1. My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim you have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ? If you favor some people over others, for example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, ah, you can stay over there or else sit on the floor, well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we open our hearts and our minds to listen to your word. Because we know that you love us and you have amazing plans for us. Lord, today we invite the Holy Spirit to speak to our lives so we can respond in the way that we can reflect Jesus' heart, in the name of Jesus. And everyone says, Amen. To understand this passage of the Bible, we need to understand the context of this passage. Because at that time, in that specific place, it was normal to treat the wealthy different than the poor people. So it was culturally normal to give the rich special treatment. For the rich man first row seat that was expected. For the poor man, no seat at all was expected. And that was the normal response 
That was normal in that context. Absolutely normal to do that. But Jesus does not expect his church to act like the world. So once again, we see culture of the world in opposition to God's values. What's acceptable for the world is not acceptable to God. And this, this issue is as old as humanity. Look around and you'll see that it's human nature to hold in high regard the wealthy and look down on the poor. We all make assumptions based on what we see. Even the best of us. Even in the Bible. We see even prophets, priests, making assumptions. And we can see this in 1 Samuel. For example, Samuel, the priest, the prophet, he was about to appoint the next king of Israel. Not a small task. First Samuel 16, and, and I'm reading from the Bible, God says, Find a man named Jesse who lives in Bethlehem, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. So the only information that God is giving to Samuel is that, okay, the next king is one of the sons of Jesse. Luke found him. But Jesse had many sons. So one by one, they came to Samuel. And look what happened. First Samuel chapter 16, verses 6 and 7. When they arrived, the sons of Jesse, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. I don't know what Samuel saw, but he liked it. You know, he said, oh, this is the guy. Maybe he was as strong as me, you know. <laughs> yeah, that laugh said it all, okay. And maybe he, he, I don't know, something about the appearance. He says, oh, yeah, this, this is the next king. Totally, he got it, he got it. This is the next king. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. It is our human nature to come to conclusions based on what we see. And that's the world's normal behavior. But God is calling us to act differently than the world. Because that's what Jesus does. That's Jesus' way. Jesus looks beyond what the eyes can see. So if you're taking notes, I'm going to invite you to consider this invitation. I encourage you to see others the way Jesus does. We find an interesting story in Luke 21. It says, while Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow 
has given more than all the rest of them, for they have given a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. Favoritism occurs when we stop looking at people the way God looks at them. Let me tell you a personal story. I'm so glad, I'm so privileged that I had the chance to learn from, about Jesus from my dad. My dad, he's 85 years old. Uh, he's in Argentina. I'm, I'm hoping to see him sometime this year, hoping to go there and spend some time with him and, and the rest of the family. On Father's Day, I, I gave him a call and said, Dad, thank you. Thank you for showing me Jesus, not just only with your words, but with your actions. So I'm going to share with you a real story that reflects what I learned from my dad. I remember I was about 10 years old, and my dad was leading a Bible study at home. In, in my parents' house, you have the front door, but there is also a, a little pathway around the house, like the side, in the side, and you can go to the patio, and then you go into a four-season porch, which is big enough to hold maybe even 30 people. And he decided we're going to uh, use this space for a Bible study, and everyone was welcome. So it was an, an open group. So we had a, a group of people that they were the, 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 the usuals, you know, the people that they came week by week, and then people that came um, because they were invited or they heard about this opportunity to learn about God. And, and I remember one day, and, and let me tell you the kind of the rhythm of the Bible study because I was, at that time, I was starting to learn guitar. So I knew enough chords to, to play a few songs. You know, the musicians in the, in the room, they know if you, have, if you know three chords, that's good enough. You can play plenty of songs, right? And I was there just studying lessons and, and I played enough so we can, I didn't call it leading worship because I was more like singing and everyone was coming along, but it was, it was good. It was good. So we started with a few songs and then we had a prayer time and then we opened the Bible and we reflect on that. And it was a moment when we uh, greet each other. And like here, you know that we have a moment that we are uh, doing the handshake, which is awesome. I love it. But in Argentina, you have to know the culture. We give hugs. <laughs> if you know me, you know I go with, to the hug, okay? So if you get closer enough, I'm going to give you a hug. <laughs> okay? Well, say thanks. I'm, I'm not going to give you a kiss because actually in Argentina, we go a little further than that and we give a... a, a a, a friendly kiss in the cheek. And, and that's cultural. And that's a way, even if you're meeting a person for the first time in Argentina, the culture is that if you're giving a hug, that's honoring, that's caring, that's uh, uh, showing affection. And, and actually, uh, that's expected. If you go to a place and no one is hugging you, I say, what's wrong with me? <laughs> what's going on here? Because it's expected that you are received with a warm hug. So we have that time in our Bible study. And you know that you're praying God and say, Lord, send the lost people. Send the lost people. 
But when God responds that prayer, you're saying, not that guy, Lord, not that person. <laughs> so well, that happened to us. So we were about to start the Bible study, and then a man that no one knew came in to the door and said, is this a place that you are talking about Jesus? Yes. Well, I need that Jesus. He was in a really bad shape. He was living literally on the streets. He was definitely dealing with alcohol. He was dirty. He, wo he couldn't walk straight. He was in a bad shape. He was lost. But he came seeking Jesus. We invited him in. And he naturally went to the, the corner. And he sit in the corner. No one said anything. We started as usual with a few songs. We had our prayer time. And then it came to the moment of the hugging part. And I remember vividly that everyone was looking around saying, what should we do here? And I remember my dad making eye contact and saying, yeah. So one by one, all of us give him a hug. After the Bible study, my dad asked the question, who wants to accept Jesus in their heart? And he raised the hand and said, I need Jesus. So my dad invited him to the center of the place. First row, said, come, 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 get closer. We're going to pray for you. I remember that we ended, we all went home. Next week, we all came back. And that guy came back, but he was different. He was clean, nice clothes, shaved. He was, he looked different, like a new person. And he also brought a few friends from the street. <laughs> to make the story short, at some point, there were 11 people from the street in that Bible study. The majority of the group coming from the street and we saw the transformation in all of their hearts. We lost track with a few of them. That was before internet, before cell phones and social media. At that time, when you lost track of someone, you lost track. And I remember that many years passed by, and one afternoon, I heard the ring. I went to the door, and there was a guy saying, is Jose here? That's the name of my dad. And I said, yes. Well, could you invite him? And I talked to my dad, say, okay, someone is looking for you. Who is it? I, I don't know who the person is, but he mentioned you. Well, my dad came, and this guy said, do you remember me? And my dad said, I'm sorry, I don't, but please, please explain to me, and I, I, I'm sure that I will remember. Do, do you remember the guy that came from the street one day that was totally lost, in bad shape, couldn't walk straight. Well, I'm that guy. And let me tell you the story. After a few weeks, I realized that I needed to change my life. My li my life. And in order to change my life, I needed to go as far as possible because of the influence of the people around me. They were forcing me to 
to be in a place that I don't want to be there anymore. So I went as far as I could to a different state in a rural place. And I started over my life. And I looked for a church. And guess what? There was no church in town. So I did what you did. I studied a Bible study. And people started came, coming in. And little by little, we were growing and growing and growing. Now we are thinking and formalize this group as a church. We could, because we are more than 100 people already. And I came back to say, thank you. Because I came in expecting this. But I got this. I was not expecting any one of you giving me a hug. I knew better. I knew I was, I didn't deserve a hug. But you gave it to me. And you gave me Jesus. And you gave it all. That's the kind of experience that many people are looking at church. That's the kind of experience that we are looking at church. Maybe you're listening to this story and you're saying, I am that guy that cannot walk straight. I'm lost. I'm in a bad shape. I'm in a really bad place in my life right now. And I don't know if I go to church, I will be invited in. But let me tell you something. In the family of God, in the family of God, we all receive a hug. In the family of God, we all get the full experience. Because that's Jesus' way. And Jesus' people do that. Let me offer you another invitation. We have to serve others the way that Jesus does. And to give you another example from Jesus, let's go to Luke chapter 14, verses 12 to 14. Then Jesus turned to his host. When you put on a luncheon or a banquet, he said, don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives, and rich neighbors, for they will invite you back, and that will be your only reward. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. Sometimes the impulses that are forcing us to treat people different is because maybe without even realizing it, we are giving, expecting something back. We are serving, but we are hoping to have some sort of reward we are loving, but we are expecting people to notice that. And let me tell you something. Maybe right now you are doing something amazing. God is already using you to bless many people. And I don't know about that. Maybe your pastor even doesn't know. Maybe your, even your family doesn't understand that. But let me tell you, God knows. And your reward is not coming from this earth. It's coming from heaven. Doesn't matter how you feel about it. If you're obeying God, let me tell you right now, your reward is coming from heaven. Keep obeying. Keep blessing. Keep doing what God is calling you to do. If you are blessing others, don't expect reward on this earth. But be sure 
God is noticing. God knows. And the reward is coming. Another thing that we need to learn is to treat others the way Jesus does. James chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, and this is the end of the passage that we are focusing on today, says, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Can't you say that with me? Mercy triumphs over judgment. Can we say it again aloud? Mercy triumphs over judgment. Many years ago, I read this story, and I want to read it to you today. Emperor Napoleon had a rule that any soldier who was absent without leave will be shot if captured. This rule was enforced without exception until a soldier who happened to be the 17-year-old son of Napoleon's cook ran away. When he was captured, his mother asked Napoleon for mercy. But he said, woman, your son doesn't deserve mercy. When she replied, yes, of course, you're right. He doesn't deserve mercy. If he deserved it, it would no longer be mercy. Napoleon responded, well then, I will have mercy. And he spared the woman's son. Mercy isn't mercy if it's deserved. A gift is not a gift if it's deserved. We are recipients on undeserved love, mercy, and grace. Can we also extend this love, mercy, and grace to others? And that's the heart of this passage. If you take a look and read it from verse 1 to verse 13, you will start noticing the whole point is that we receive undeserved mercy. Can we also extend undeserved mercy to others? If we can learn how to see others the way that Jesus does, if we can learn how to serve others the way that Jesus does, if we, if we can learn how to treat others the way that Jesus does, let me tell you, the world will be a better place. And our response is not an obligation. Our response is simply an opportunity. There are so many people trying to get closer to Jesus. And as a church, we have the opportunity to show Jesus by inviting them to the first row seat. Maybe you're listening to these words and you're saying, I am that person. I'm trying to find Jesus. I am right now in a bad place. 
I cannot walk straight. And I know that I don't deserve it. I don't deserve the love of God. I don't deserve the forgiveness. I don't deserve to get closer to Jesus. But let me tell you, Jesus is inviting you right now to the front row. I cannot, I don't know, I think that there is no better way to end this message by, than by sharing the Holy Communion together. I think it's so amazing that we get the opportunity to come to the table of mercy. Look at the elements. This represents undeserved mercy, undeserved grace. And we are coming to Jesus. No matter what's going on in your life, Jesus has a front row seat with your name on it saying, hey, I was waiting for you. Come, I was waiting for you. I already paid the price for this sitting with my own life. Can you receive that grace? And if you already received that grace, can you extend that grace to others? Can we see people the way that Jesus does? Can we serve others the way that Jesus does? Can we treat others the way that Jesus does? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come to you recognizing that we don't deserve your grace. We don't deserve what you are offering to us. But here we are, Lord. We expected just to get closer enough to you. And you already prepared a front row seat for us you paid the cost you paid the price with your own life it wasn't cheap it was the most priciest seat of all and you gladly said I'm going to praise the price Lord we come to you accepting that gift please forgive our sins please forgive our wrong ways please forgive when we misjudged other people please forgive us when we didn't show love and grace to others the way that you showed love and grace to us but lead the way teach us Lord how to be your church how to be your family how to be your children how to be light and salt in this world. We offer you our hands. We offer you our hearts. We offer you our feet. In the name of Jesus. Amen.